Support for MPB comes from the Mississippi Museum of Art in Jackson. What Became of Dr. Smith by artist Noah Satterstrom is on view now through September 22, 2024. Learn more at msmuseumart.org. Welcome to the Mississippi Arts Hour. I'm Malcolm White. I am your host on this Sunday afternoon. Hope everyone is enjoying fall slash never really winter weather in Mississippi. Uh, we are broadcasting from the Mary C. O'Keefe Cultural Center in Ocean Springs this week. And I'm here with Larry Morrissey, who's the Deputy Director of the Arts Commission, and he's also serving as the producer engineer of these six shows that we are recording here on the Mississippi Gulf Coast uh, at the Mary C. Center. My guest today is John Anderson. Welcome, John. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I'm John excited to be here. Uh, lives in Bay St. Louis uh, and is an architect. Uh, he's also a musician, and he is the vice chair and has been the chair of the board of the Biloxi Little Theater. A Biloxi. The Bay St. Louis Little Theater. Yeah, be See, we there. keep stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> so so welcome and thanks for the drive uh down the the beach uh, to be here in uh ocean springs let's let's start out talking about your your business i think you call it unabridged architecture we do yes okay thought so and yeah, we try not wife. to leave anything out so, so where do you get what's the name uh, what's it all about well my wife came up with the name my, my wife allison is also my partner in the business and uh, she's an avid reader so the idea of an unabridged dictionary is very mm -hmm. appealing to her. So the, um, the phrase unabridged, meaning we just try not to leave anything out. We you know, try to be very inclusive in the work. And, and how long have, have you had this architecture business in Bay St. Louis? Uh, well, my wife started the business roughly 20 years ago. Oh, okay. And I have been a partner for just over 10 years now. So, so she had it 10 years prior to your arrival. She did, yeah. And I okay. was working in um, New Orleans. Uh, we moved to the coast from Baton Rouge. You uh, both from Baton Rouge? No, originally I'm from Las Vegas. Oh, okay. She's from Hawaii. Neither? Or, no, okay. but her, her family is from Mississippi. That's what brought us here okay. originally. Um, so uh, when we moved to the coast, I was working in New Orleans, and I did that for 13 years. Wow. So I was a commuter. And I, honestly, I, I, I slept in New Orleans. Uh -huh. I mean, I slept in Bay St. Louis. And worked it, in New Orleans. And worked in New Orleans. It felt like I wasn't quite a resident yet, to be honest with you. Uh, during that time, Allison got to know everybody in the town uh, and through Which her work. Which is not hard because it's not a hard. Nice, small, it's a small town. small town, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and um, so she started to build those relationships. Uh, and then along came Katrina. Right. Uh, and the... Um, obviously there was a lot of work to be done sure and she was in a good position to sort of help uh some of the community um groups like cities and counties figure out what they needed to, to have done help uh set up the grant process mm -hmm. uh get them lined up for for the monies that were coming and through doing that you know we got a couple of those projects so i decided to come to work for her so, and but you were with a firm in New Orleans? Eskew Dumez Ripple was the name of the firm. It's still the name of the firm. I uh -huh. uh, worked there for a good long time. It was a great place to work, um, which explains that doing that drive every day for 13 years. But y'all have lived in Bay St. Louis for how long? Over 20 years now. Okay. Almost local. 
almost local. Yeah. Yeah. Not quite, but almost. And and you mentioned the the Katrina work. I I know that uh, I guess y'all had the contract for the uh, the landscaping, the the lighting, some of the, the the sidewalks, and the I don't know. I just remember y'all were doing all that. That's work. right. That was one of the projects that um, uh, that Allison helped the city determine that was that was a sort of an important thing to get back, right? right. Because um, or in some cases recreate from not having been there at all before. Mm -hmm. uh, that kind of idea about um, creating a sense of place in the city through um, just making sure the streets felt right. You know, uh, many of the streets didn't have sidewalks, so uh, mm -hmm. there were some important places in the city uh, where we had a lot of uh, commercial development that needed some space out on the sidewalk, you know, some sidewalk cafe space and some room for extra people. Uh, street lighting was often non-existent. Right. But there uh, were those two or three old lights that had Bay St. Louis in the, uh, I guess that's, are they iron? Yeah. And, and had the old light fixtures. And mm -hmm. the, there were a few of those around. That had, they were left over from what period? Oh, I think um, the 20s or 30s, some of yeah. those. They were, they were um, quite old. And there were only a handful left. Right, of the original ones. Yeah, exactly. But, but you guys went back and recreated that look with all the street lights we using did. that as a, a as a model right right and um uh i think that's been pretty successful people really oh, enjoy that incredibly successful yeah uh that was allison's brilliant idea <laughs> um now i'll tell you a funny story about it um we had originally intended for only say one out of every five of the signs to say Bay St. Louis on them. They have a little bracket and on one side it says Bay St. And on the other side of the pole, it says Lewis, mm -hmm. uh, which was what the original ones looked like. And originally we, we thought, well, if you know, if one out of five had the Bay St. Louis on, that's probably enough for people to get the idea, right? Well, <laughs> right. <laughs> when the lights got shipped, every single one of them had Bay oh, St. Louis so you didn't there. design it that way. Well, we, we didn't intend for every one of them to have it on there, but Correct. we certainly wanted that, uh, that sort of uh, branding opportunity, I guess, for the city. But now, I mean, uh, even since we haven't been involved, uh, the city uses that as their sort of standard uh, for, for street lighting. Yeah, it's sort of the brand. Exactly. And, and I remember you, this since I, had, I bought my house in 2002, and, you know, so I lived there before Katrina, mm -hmm. during Katrina, and after Katrina. And I've, I've witnessed all of the work that y'all did on, on this particular piece of the, of the rebuild. Uh, and, and I remember when the light fixtures were first installed, they were so bright. It was like, being, like it never got dark in Bay St. Louis. And then somehow someone figured that out, and they put a smaller bulb in or something and it all got really laid back again there was a month of <laughs> of um experimentation let's call it that uh the um you never know quite what you're going to get sure right and the the lamps that were in there were a little bit too little bright. bright for a small town uh, i think that they were they were sort of tuned for a more dense urban area uh, philadelphia yeah or, something uh, like that st louis so we got all the lights in and flipped the switch and we all went <laughs> Well, I kept thinking, bright. I kept telling people, with time, they'll dim, but they didn't. <laughs> no. Well, in a month later, we went and put new light bulbs in them all that were much, right, much dimmer, right. much uh, a kind of a warmer light. That, that yeah. Oh, sort they're of, fabulous. Yeah, now. that helped, yeah. helped people uh, feel like they were in a small town, not, not um, under surveillance. Right. <laughs> My guest today is John Anderson. He and his wife, Allison, have 
an architectural firm in Bay St. Louis called Unabridged Architecture. And we were talking uh, to him about some of the projects that they work on. So besides this lighting landscape, curbscape piece, talk about some of your other projects. I know y'all have that beautiful and fabulously interesting building on Main Street where your office is. And uh, what, what kind of stuff are you working on, some other projects that we might could associate you and your, your firm with in and around the Bay St. Louis? Um, well, from the Katrina recovery uh, projects, uh, we did a couple projects that I think are really nice. Um, one was a renovation of the um, Valina C. Jones School Oh yeah, on mm -hmm. um, uh, Old Spanish Trail. And that was an old... Um, uh, African-American school, so uh, part of the sort of segregated uh, part of our history. Right. Uh, and that was a very interesting project because, uh, honestly, when we all started that project, nobody had any idea that that was really what that building was all about. And just through um, some discussions with some neighborhood groups uh, who really just came to our office and said, you know, I heard you guys are working on this project. Do you, do you know the history? Uh, do you know what happened there? And, uh, well, we said, to be very honest, no, we just got the project yesterday. You know, we knew it was the fire station and we knew it had been used for the last 20 or 30 years as just a kind of a general junk collection, uh, place where mm -hmm. the, that the city used, uh, and those neighborhood groups sort of educated us on, you know, the importance of that building in, in the history of the town. So, uh, we sort of uh, convinced the city, maybe not such a good idea to tear that building down. I think we can keep that building and do what you want to do with it uh, and uh, preserve that historic um, fabric, you know, because a place like Bay St. Louis, uh, which has had a lot of uh, historic buildings in the past, but we, we tend to lose them every now right. and then in a hurricane. So the more of that that gets whittled away, the less of our history remains. So. Uh, thank goodness for those neighborhood groups who came to us and said, this is a really important building for us. And we, we want to make sure that, um, it gets, it gets preserved. So it's now the boys and girls club and they, they use it in this really beautiful way. So from the outside, it looks very, very much the same as it did when it was originally built. It's very simple and plain building. The inside is just this sort of joyful noise of, um, you know, all these kids and colors and right. the cool stuff that they do after after school and all the all the wonderful f programs that the Boys and Girls Club has. Did did y'all work on the, the little theater building? We did. Okay. Mm -hmm. And and that building, I don't know the name of that building. It was originally the uh, Scafidi residence. The Scafidis who then had a restaurant. The, yep. The Scafidi restaurant. There's a lot of Scafidi family branches, so uh -huh. I don't want to get that whole uh, history wrong and get called <laughs> later. But yeah. <laughs> uh, John Scafidi was the, the man who owned that house, and he was the mayor at the time. Oh, he had okay. a big family, and he ran a grocery store on the ground floor. So this is sort of um, a little bit like a, a building you might see in the French Quarter in New Orleans, where mm -hmm. it's pushed right up to the street. And it's the got European a kind of, concept. I yeah, it. it's got a kind of balconies hanging over the sidewalk. So that, that ground floor was the, the grocery. And upstairs, he raised a family. He had something in the neighborhood of eight to 10 kids or something like that. Uh, and, 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 and it was also in the, the movie, This Property is Condemned. Right. Uh, and it the was. Tennessee Williams play? Did I have uh, that right? Tennessee Williams one act play. One act play. Yeah. Uh, that got made into a multiple act movie. So right. they, they took and, you know, sort of stretched th that concept. 
Um, Francis Ford Coppola was the screenwriter. Yeah. What, it was an all-star cast. It was an all-star, yeah, for the time. I, you, you're talking about Robert Redford and Natalie Wood. They were two of the biggest up-and-coming right. stars of the time. 1965, I think, is when they came to town to, to film that uh -huh. uh, movie. And our building, the, the Scafidi building, um, which is now, I say our because it belongs to the little theater, yeah. um, was kind of the star of the show. You know, it was the, the title character, basically, the property that is condemned. Um, they, the building had been pretty much vacant since the Depression era. Uh, and Hollywood came and sort of tricked it out with a lot of little gingerbready sort of uh, decorations. Uh -huh. You know, all the set builders came to town and went to work on it. And then um, actually at the end of the movie, you see those things kind of falling off and right. hanging, you know, precariously <laughs> over the street the and that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and for a long time, they just left all that. You know, Hollywood went away, the movie was made, and they just left all that stuff mm -hmm. hanging. I mean, by the time we got to the building, uh, all of it had been gone. And having lived in town for, you know, 10 or 15 years prior to Katrina, that um, seeing that building there vacant, uh, it was just a beautiful building, you know, great old bones. And it was like, when is somebody going to do something with that building? And, and that somebody became? It became a little theater. We got very lucky to um, uh, be able to acquire the building with a lot of help from Mississippi Arts Commission. And um, we... Um, got some grants to restore the building through Mississippi Department of Archives and History. Otherwise, a, a, you know, a poor little theater that is basically uh, hand to mouth from show to show would never have been able to have uh, the opportunity to do something like that. Welcome back to the Mississippi Arts Hour. I'm Malcolm White. I'm your host today. I'm in the Mary C. O'Keefe Cultural Center in Ocean Springs with Larry Morrissey, our Deputy Director at the Arts Commission, and our very special guest today, architect, musician, and community volunteer, Mr. John Anderson. Welcome, John. Thank you for having me. I feel like this is my Oprah moment. <laughs> well, so be it. Enjoy it. <laughs> I am. <laughs> so we, we talked a bit about uh, the family business, the architectural business that you and Allison have uh, based out of Bay St. Louis and some of the work that you were, were doing. Uh, that you do, uh, but also we, we had just sort of gotten into the Little Theater, mm -hmm. the Bay St. Louis Little Theater, which is in a historic building, was in a, the film, This Property is Condemned, which was a Tennessee Williams one-act play. It was turned into a movie. Um, and, and so I thought we'd just pick back up there and sort of talk about uh, where the piece where you came to identify that building because because I remember because I had the same job I have today and Larry had more or less the same job he had that y'all were moving around in the earlier days about where to build the theater after Katrina because you had a building before Katrina that was totally destroyed and eliminated so the little theater was faced with not only do we not have any operating funds we don't even have a building anymore and so you began this journey that ended uh, at this building that's right and at the time of Katrina I was on the board so uh, I, I think um, it would have been easy for the theater to say let's just find an old building a metal building or you know something and move into it and I, I was sort of uh, convinced that we really needed to do something that would help the community recover uh, after Katrina. You know, so much was lost. And, and to, 
take our show business and move it to something that was not a really very community oriented place or uh, it just didn't feel right to me. I had no idea how we're going to pull this off, but it just (laughs) didn't feel right. So I convinced the board to um, allow us to kind of put together a little search committee, I guess, if you will. Uh, Where could we move? You know, let's look at some buildings. Let's look at some properties. Let's evaluate the costs and uh, the benefits, the negatives, and and let's see where we end up. And and honestly, we looked at about eight to ten different sites, and we kept coming back to this building um, that looked to be uh, the most challenging, uh, the the in the worst shape, <laughs> uh, in a great location, mm. but had the um, had that community component, right? right? If we do something here, that's going to be really important. Uh, the building hadn't really been since, since Natalie and Robert left, right. uh, in all we had in that building were the occasional squatter, you know, right. it just sort of, um, allowed itself to go, you know, to fall into disrepair and then Katrina didn't do it any favors either. So, right. uh, when I brought the board to the building to look at it, we stood in the lobby on a very sort of precarious piece of flooring. <laughs> and we all looked straight up in the air at the clouds and the birds flying by uh, through the second floor, through the attic floor, and through the roof. Uh, uh, and they all looked at me and said, are you crazy? Oh, I thought they looked at you and said, this property should be condemned. Yeah, it was. In fact, we, uh, we really probably shouldn't have been in there. Um, uh, and I said, yeah, this is a little crazy. It, it really is. But you know what? I think this is going to be a really important thing for, for our town. And, um, and they were like, well, how are we going to pay for it? I, I got, I've got uh, some ways to get some grants. I know we can, how we can do this. And we, so we started writing grants, and, uh, and we started being successful. So we, um, we actually had a grant before we decided where we were going to move and we used that to buy the building right so now we have this property we don't know what we're going to do with it and uh it took us a year maybe almost two years to to get the grants together and get our plans together in such a way that um we could um get the project funded and actually start construction so uh um, archives and history and and mac uh were instrumental in getting that moving otherwise we would have had no chance uh, now we, we took this project on as a really is a historic renovation. Right. So through department of archives and history, we've got direction from them about, you know, how to restore it to what era, because there's still little gingerbready bits from Hollywood hanging around. Do we make it look like Hollywood? No, right. that's not really the history. So let's go back. Let's try to make it look like it might have when the Scafidis were living there. So the period was back to the Scafidis yeah, the grocery 19, store. Yeah, 1920, mid-20s. I got Pre-Depression area, mm-hmm. era. Uh, and, but just the only real difference is instead of a grocery store in there, we've got a theater. Uh, so we took, uh, figuratively, took the cans of soup off the shelves and put... Um, chairs and risers and lights and stage and sound system in there. Uh, we use um, what was the living room as our uh, lobby. Right. Uh, and upstairs where the bedrooms were, we use those as boardrooms and uh, sort you know, a little bit of community activity up there uh, and a lot of storage right now. 
So and what's the capacity of the hall now? Uh, well, if the fire marshal's listening, <laughs> we can seat about 80. Uh-huh. Uh, good show, we'll get about 100 people I was with the fire marshal this morning, actually. Oh, were you? In St. Louis, getting a burn permit. <laughs> and he said, put as many people as you okay. want to in there. Okay, good. I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> I literally was visiting with the, with the fire marshal this morning in Bay St. Louis. We can get about 100 people in there. And we, uh, for a typical show, we'll have two weekends, three shows per weekend. Uh, we've started to rethink that a little. We had a couple, uh, we did the show Sorted Lives, mm. which was new to me, but apparently, uh, this is a hugely popular kind of a culty feeling sort of show. We did that over one weekend and we did five shows and we sold it out every weekend this October. One never knows. Yeah. So, I mean, and it <laughs> what was the just, appetite of the general public is uh, going to be. That's one interesting thing about running a little theater is you think you might know, but right. you, you really don't. Right. Our guest today is John Anderson. John is an architect in Bay St. Louis. He's also uh, the vice chair of the Bay St. Louis Little Theater organization, and he's also a musician. And, and, and another thing that you are is you're an actor. You, you actually are in some of these productions that you're talking about. I've been in a couple. I'm, well, I, I act well enough uh, to not embarrass myself. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I, or at least I didn't think I embarrassed myself. Such is the concept <laughs> of a community theater. <laughs> exactly. And that's the cool thing about community theater is um, any show you go see, there's probably a couple people on stage that have a lot of experience. They mm-hmm. may have been in multiple productions. They really know how to put it together. Uh, and there's a, a, at least a couple people who it's their first time out and have zero experience. So what's the general health and well-being of the Bay St. Louis Little Theater? What's your season like? How are, you know, how are your, uh, how's your attendance? Uh, how are your fundraising activities? Talk a little bit about the culture of the Bay St. Louis Little Theater. Well, we've, we've been in this new location post-Katrina for now over 10 years. Uh, we find that we have much more exposure and visibility in this uh, new location. It's in the, um, what we call the depot district. Right. So near the old train station, near some um, shops and the restaurants. Mosley Museum Alice Mosley's is there. nearby. Um, so we have a lot of good visibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, across the street is a big community hall. Right. Uh, so people see Built us there. Built after Katrina also. Built post-Katrina yeah. as well. I actually feel like our building was a little bit of a catalyst. It, for no doubt. I think you're right. Yeah. So I, I feel like we're very healthy. Uh, we've been... Um, selling out a lot of shows our first couple of years we sold out every show every every performance huh. uh and i think part of it let's go see what they did with see that what place. they did with that old building <laughs> yeah. yeah uh how in the world is there a theater in the old grocery store exactly <laughs> um part of what we want to make sure of though is it's not just about the building sure. it's really about what you see on stage uh and we've got some great um actors who regularly like to do our shows and we put on some really great performances this uh season we've got um well i told you about sorted lives um we've got several shows coming up uh uh drawing a blank on the name well they'll come to you (laughs) it will uh you must not be in the ones you can't remember no i'm not you're just just the vice chairman (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I feel like maybe my role over there is I'll be in a show or two, uh-huh. but um, maybe more of an enabler. Is that, <laughs> does that sound right? I don't know if that I think, sounds right. I think right. there are <laughs> arts and enablers. Yeah. I think that does exist. You know, I want to make sure the building's working right, it's clean, and mm-hmm. uh, we've got 
the publicity that we need. Uh, I don't want to hog the time on stage. I, right. There's a lot of people who, who really are looking for that opportunity. Sure. And we want to give that to them. Um, now, do you use the building for other purposes other than the, the productions of the plays? I mean, is it sort of seen as a, a space that you can rent for a fundraiser or have some we sort have of done that. party or something? Yeah. I mean, does that happen? Uh, yes. Uh, we had a wedding. Oh, okay. Uh, people, um, we have some filmmakers who have hired it out to screen their films. Like a, uh, like a film festival kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, we've had some street festivals w that we've been part of. And now, you do the Stella thing, the Stella yelling or whatever. You do you the Stella yelling contest. Which is it's a fundraiser, right? It is. It's uh -huh. a fundraiser for, for the theater. Uh -huh. Uh, so we have that relationship with Tennessee Williams, right through the This Property is Condemned movie. And uh, the end of uh, March is Tennessee Williams' birthday. So right around that time, we always do the Stella yelling contest. So we have this perfect balcony on the building. <laughs> I've attended it, but please explain it to our <laughs> listeners. A little courtyard and a balcony. And we, um, we get one of our um, local actresses to, to be Stella. From the streetcar. From named streetcar Desire. named Desire, right. So, um, and then uh, people sign up uh, to play Stanley. And the famous scene where you sh shout Stella right. up to, uh, up to the, the Stella on the balcony. So we get kids from, you know, two-year-old kids who get caught up in the moment and run out there and rip their shirts off and shout <laughs> up to, you know, 90-year-old guys that... Uh, that might be able to get the sound to project that far. But anyway, it's, it's a lot of fun. So we'll, we'll probably have 20 contestants come out and shout some version of Stella. We don't tell you what to shout. Right. You can shout whatever you want. Now, is there a Stella <laughs> on the balcony? There is. She's up there. And she's different each year? Uh, well, she's often Stella? the same person. Okay. But every now and then we, uh, we end up with a different person up there. Uh, it's a lot of fun. It, it, we probably... You know, we raise a few hundred bucks and we give away some prizes. Right. Uh, we get the um, sort of local celebrities, I guess, to come out and be judges. Mm -hmm. Or if you've won the contest too often, we make you a judge. <laughs> That's one way to move them on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're getting too good. You need to just <laughs> let someone else win. <laughs> right. But it's a lot of fun. So, we, you know, we'll get a crowd of 100 or so folks out there kind of spill out into the street yeah. and make the car slow down and see, figure out what we're doing. It's a lot of fun. So, um, again, my guest today is John Anderson, uh, architect, actor, musician, community activist uh, in the Bay St. Louis area. Been talking about the Bay St. Louis Little Theater where he um, serves as the vice chairman. Been on the board for a long time, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, over 20 years now. Yeah, yeah. Welcome to the third and final segment of this particular rendition of the Mississippi Arts Hour. I'm Malcolm White. I'm your host today. We're in the Mary C. O'Keefe Cultural Center in the heart of Ocean Springs, Mississippi. My guest today is John Anderson. Welcome back, John. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. John is an architect, a musician, uh, involved in the Little Theater, and uh, a friend of mine who I sometimes share 
a community with when I'm <laughs> in Bay St. Louis, which is... We wish you were down there more often. I do too, <laughs> but I'm not. <laughs> so in this last segment, uh, we've, we talked about your architecture uh, practice, architectural practice. We've talked a little bit about the Bay St. Louis Little Theater. In this one, I thought we'd talk a little bit about your being a musician. And I, I guess this is not your full-time gig, but you've certainly been... I've seen you on stage a lot in our little town. You volunteer. Your, your groups are active. Uh, I see you here and there. So when did you pick up the guitar, and uh, when did you go public with this talent of yours? There's a big gap of time between <laughs> those two things. Uh, so I started playing guitar in, in uh, high school and college, uh, but I did not go public with it till maybe four or five years ago. After the uh, kids were raised. Basically, and, yeah. I'd, I'd like to play. Mm -hmm. And um, at the point where my kids became more or less self-sufficient, self you know, they're going off to college and um, in high school, I just, one day I thought, well, you know what would be nice to do is is play a song from the beginning to the end. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't that be great? And, like, have um, have a singer who could sing the whole song from the beginning to the end. I've been playing guitar for, I don't know, what is that, 30 years or something? Time, I don't yeah. think I've ever managed to do that. <laughs> you just would sit around and, and noodle. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. A lot of noodling and not, not getting very good. And then, you know, I also started thinking, you know, what, one of the, the things that drew me to Mississippi was music. You know, um, I discovered this, um, I was living in Austin, I think, and I, somebody gave me the CD, R.L. Burnside. Uh. And I sort of had my, my mind blown. The, that was nothing like anything I'd ever heard before. So I started, you know, listening more and more and finding Did you more ever get to hear R.L. live? I did. Good. Yeah, it was wonderful. Great. Kenny Young yeah. played guitar with him. And Kenny Brown. Brown, sorry. It's all right. Yeah. I know you're talking about. Yeah. I will t jump forward just a little bit, yeah. and our band just got to open for Cedric Burnside, which was a real thrill for us. I mean, that was a, I guess, just being in the right place at the right time, we got lucky to do that. And that was a fundraiser for the Hundred Man Hall, right? That was a in the Hundred Man Hall, mm -hmm. but a fan, a fundraiser for my next door neighbor who was running for uh, U.S. Senator David Beria. Oh, okay. Going back a little bit, um, my friend who plays bass with me, Sanjay Shobay, is a doctor. I'm an architect, and we just said we love music. We this is fun. Let's do it. Let's play. And we played for you know maybe six or eight months. And he said, you know what we need is somebody who could really sing. <laughs> I don't know, that would be nice. Who is that? And he says, I know this guy. His name's Philip Williams. And I'm like, wait a minute. I've heard him. He's good. I mean. <laughs> he's a real singer. Yeah, he's a real singer. He's not like us just screwing around on weekends. And he said, just wait. I'm going to go talk to him. My, my friend is uh, full of uh, chutzpah, I guess you'd say. Yeah. Um, whatever, or whatever the Indian version of chutzpah <laughs> is. And he went to Phil, and Phil said, yeah, I'll come, I'll come sit with you guys, and we'll do a few tunes. And I thought that would be the end of it. And um, I don't know what made Phil think uh, we had something going on, but he stuck with us, and he, he became like a mentor, I guess. Mm -hmm. uh, he challenged you to learn whole songs. He did. Well, <laughs> not just that, but to get out of my comfort zone. So um, he would hear what we did. And he was very supportively cr critical, I guess you'd say, mm -hmm. right? He said, well, you need to do this. You know, you need to learn that lick. Uh, bass player, you know, you need to hold the groove a little better. And as he did that, you know, we grew. And the next thing you know, we've got 
uh, we started doing gigs. And I literally would sort of come out of my nervous funk in the middle of the gig some point and look to the look to my side and see Phil singing and going, how lucky can you get, man? I mean, this is awesome. He's just has this beautiful voice and the stage presence that um, I still feel lucky to have uh, had him singing with us for a while. It was great. And I think, is is this the right story, that the first time you were on stage with him and and you were enjoying being in that moment and, and it was time for you to, to take a guitar solo and you stepped on your cord and unplugged your guitar? Uh-huh, exactly. <laughs> that happened. That's uh, Mr. Hubris coming up to, to bite you in the bottom. <laughs> so, you know, every time you get up there, you, you're learning something, right? right? There are people who are sort of born to be musicians and there are people like me who are born to be architects and pretend to be musicians in the yeah. evening. So Plenty of room. Yeah, uh, and I'm just sort of really appreciative that anybody comes out and, and listens, you know. Now, I think you, uh, you like to say that 100 Men Hall is, is one of your favorite venues. You want to talk a little bit about place. the hall? Well, so it's, um, uh, I don't know the 100% details of yeah, the 100 it's a big Man history. Hall, but it's got a long history in town uh, and that has been recently sort of rediscovered. So uh, 100 Men was sort of like, a, I guess you'd say, a benevolent social club. It was right. kind of a, a, a group of men. Uh, African-American who used that hall as a kind of a, a great place to hang out, but also as a, as a social support network. So you would pay your dues, and if someone needed help, they would use those dues to help. Right, if their house person. burned or yeah. someone got sick, right, exactly. the group would help out. So that was the, that was the, uh, the premise. Social and benevolence clubs, they're yeah. called in New Orleans. Right, like, uh, like Zulu, right. for That's instance. Right. Like Zulu. This was the sort of uh, Bay St. Louis version of that. Gotcha. A smaller scale, obviously. And the, the, the bands that they've had on stage and the acts that they've had on stage there are just amazing. It's unbelievable. You know, part of the Chitlin circuit. Right. So you had, um, you had James Brown, you had B.B. King, you had Emma Jane, Etta James. You know, Irma to, Thomas. Irma Thomas. Just the list yeah. is, is uh, Deacon incredible. John, who came for the unveiling of the blues market. Indeed. All of these people, would you know, they would come to Bay St. Louis and, and do a gig, and then they move on to the next one. So... Um, the hall has a lot of history and, you know, when we got to play that gig with, with Cedric Burnside, uh, when you're on stage, there's a little, it's now what's the women's restroom, but it used to be the, um, the dressing room. And I don't know, it's probably six feet wide by 12 feet deep. It's a tiny little room. I don't know how some of these bands actually made it in there, <laughs> but there's like a little door, almost feels like a little trap door that comes out of that building, out of that room and onto the stage. And I was just having, you know, visions of B.B. King walking out of that door right. or, or Etta James walking out of that door. And I, uh, again, I was just so privileged to, to be able to yeah, Earl do King. my little part up yeah, there. Yeah, all those people. Yeah, they probably would have, you know, looked at me and said, step aside, son, let me show you how it's done. But <laughs> it's still, it, it, I got those little, I got the chills, you know, I got the, the feels, I guess you'd say, from being up there. It was great. You're listening to the Mississippi Arts Hour. I'm Malcolm White. I'm your host today. I also have the great honor of serving as the executive director of the Arts Commission uh, twice. And uh, I am your host today on the show. Hope you're enjoying your Sunday afternoon. We are live from the Mary C. O'Keefe Cultural Center in Ocean Springs. My guest today is John Anderson. John is an architect. Uh, he's also very active in the Bay St. Louis little theater scene and also a musician. And so in this final segment, we're talking a little bit about that piece of his life. 
Now, do you have a band currently that you play with? We do, the Electric Sheep. The Electric Sheep, okay. Yeah. And, and it's comprised of? Uh, myself, uh, Sanjay Chobet. Sanjay's still that. there. He's the doctor. Uh, we have a great female lead singer, Jamie Paroli, and her husband plays drums for us, oh. Landon Paroli. That's good. Are they yeah. in other bands, or is this, does everybody just do this one We just do project? this one. Everybody yeah. else has day jobs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, landscape design. Uh, Landon's a landscape designer. Uh, Jamie is a uh, drug rep. So we've all got, and they also have two small children. So we can get together. It's uh, it's tough to fit the schedules, but it's fun to do. Do you do clubs or do you mostly do festivals and events like fundraisers and that sort of stuff? Well, we'll do anything. You, you actually know? have enough material to do a night. We do. Yeah. yeah. Okay. We can. Uh, we're going to do one um, uh, next weekend. Mockingbird Cafe yep. in downtown Bay St. Louis. On the outdoor stage? On the outdoor yeah. stage, assuming it's not I was going to say, cold. in the middle of what we call winter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which could be 60 degrees. It could be. Or it could be 20. It we never 20. know. We That's never the, know. It's, we like it that way. Yeah. So what are some of the venues in, in the Bay? I mean, post-Katrina. I mean, where does one? Where can one play live music in Bay St. Louis? Well, uh, so post-Katrina... Obviously, there was nothing left downtown on the beach, but a lot of that sort of um, nightclub restaurant scene has re- returned right. uh, to our beach front in downtown. And there are several uh, uh, bars and restaurants down there that have live music uh, Thursday through Sunday, really. Mm-hmm. So um, we're getting our stuff together and we're going to be playing at some of those. But um, when we had Phil as a singer, we played at uh, Murky Waters in Gulfport and Ocean Springs. Yep. So it's mm-hmm. a, a kind of a, a barbecue slash blues venue. Right. Bacchus on the Beach in um, Past Christian is another place. They have live music? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. On weekends. What became of Bridgefest? I know that was a rather, at one time, a aspiring live music festival in, in Bay St. Louis. That was great when we had it. It was, it was fantastic. Greg Allman was out there. When, the, he was really the last yeah. big name that performed there. Yeah. At the last one. I think it, we haven't had it for a couple of years, I guess. We haven't. but um, It started out to, as a celebration of, oddly enough, of the bridge. Of the bridge ring being which rebuilt. We, which we were, we, I say we, the Bay St. Louis and the state of Mississippi and federal government and a lot of others invested in those bridges. And we decided at post-Katrina we wouldn't just build bridges for for automobiles we built bridges for bicycles and pedestrians mm-hmm. and we put art all over them and we yeah. begin to have festivals to celebrate them which right seemed odd but worked out any excuse for a party right as an architect you probably think that's an odd oh, idea. yeah i would i would throw a party you know for a lot of buildings <laughs> on a yearly basis it would be great there should be i'm sure there is a mary c o'keefe party yearly. i'm sure there are many that go on here they have that beautiful theater downstairs right and and does does Bay St. Louis uh, have a comparable uh, space like that? I know you, you, the Little Theater is only around 100 well, capacity. Well, uh, interestingly 100 enough. 100 man halls, what, a couple hundred? A couple hundred. Yeah. We have um, one of our projects that we designed is a, a parking garage with the, oh, the Civic yeah. Center on top. Uh, that uh, Garage, you lose Wait, wait a minute. What garage was, Mahal. Garage Mahal. I'm sorry. That's I, I the got nickname. it wrong. <laughs> I think it started out as a kind of a... a a diss, <laughs> but we've, we've, uh, embraced it, yeah. you know, like Go calling a bald guy curly or something yeah. like that. But, uh, we designed a parking garage, um, city parking, garage. city 
parking garage. Mm -hmm. And then the county came to us and said, well, we've lost our civic center in Katrina too. And, you know, it would be a great place to get up uh, above flood level by putting it on top of your parking garage. Is that possible? Uh, well, when you're in the middle of design and it's just, <laughs> just lines in a computer, anything's possible. Yeah, hey, so, we'll put anything you want on yeah. there. <laughs> so we said, sure, we can do that. And it's turned out to be a really great venue because, um, especially for music, we were very sensitive when we designed it about acoustics. And um, we actually hired an acoustician and we put in all of the uh, great sort of sound absorbing and reflecting hmm. materials that we needed to do. We had a concert up there, and this is kind of the highlight of my architectural career slash musician. Okay, great. See, we're uh, combining when, uh, these uh, uh, <laughs> talents here. Kerry Hudson. Yep. Uh, he's kind of notorious um, Mississippi musician. Was playing, and he stopped the song, and he says, it sounds really good in here. What did you do to this place? And he wasn't looking at me. He was just sort of Talking making this uh, kind of general uh, comment. And, you know, somebody turned around like, oh, the architect's over there. He did it. <laughs> I'm like, well, we did it. But, uh, yeah, it was nice. That was a nice little shout out in the middle of a show. And what's the capacity of that space? A couple hundred, yeah. depending on how you set it up. For music, you know, you put the chairs together close. You can get a couple hundred mm -hmm. people in there. It's a really great spot for that. Well, thanks for coming in. I've enjoyed visiting with you. Uh, it's, it's good to see you outside of Bay St. Louis. Yeah. See you over here on the other, the the other, other coast. The, coast. Yeah. <laughs> the other creative uh, bookend, as I like to call right. them. Well, thank you for having me. It's been wonderful. It's been a pleasure. Great. This is the Mississippi Arts Hour. We are hoping that you're enjoying your Sunday afternoon. You'll join us each and every Sunday at 5 o'clock right here on MPB Think Radio.